You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 65. I'm your host, Andreas Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jan Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son. Hello. Hello. Hello, you guys. Hi. Now we're back to normal, right? So everyone used their own greetings and no confusion there. No confusion there. No. <laughs> yeah, actually, we just recently got the feedback regarding our names and uh, making it um, always understandable who's talking and... Uh, Yeah, we should probably call everyone by the name more often. Hmm. Hmm? Maybe. What do you think, Pontus? What do you think, Yelena? Yeah, I think it's a good idea, Andres, and it's a good idea, Pontus. <laughs> okay, thank you, Jelena, for that. We can't okay. keep this up all it's night. A, it's That'll a little be... bit too much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think so. Um, My name is Heysan Heysan, so that's fine. Yeah. My name is yeah. Siastok. Mm. <laughs> oh, is that right? Mm. <laughs> Interesting. So Andres, you were you were saying just before we start recording about something that happened to you today. Would you like to share it with our listeners? Oh yes, oh yes. Yeah, um, yeah it was interesting. Actually, that is something that absolutely made my day. A friend of mine on Facebook posted a call for a chickenpox party oh. because one of her kids got the chickenpox. She wanted to share the goodness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very common thing. So I just shared a link with her to a Hungarian website. It's it's an info website, basically, compiled by doctors, medical doctors, experts. And it tells you a lot about what complications can emerge, how the whole illness is supposed to, to be happening, how you get infected and how you go through the whole process. And how vaccination can actually help a lot in avoiding serious uh, side effects and uh, consequences of the illness, which is, even if it's a mild illness, it's very unpleasant, it's it's very inconvenient for the child, it's difficult for the, for, for the whole family, and, and that's all. And after reading it, she got back to me thanking me for the link. Yeah, you know, when I just dropped him the link as a comment, I didn't necessarily expect that reaction, even though we were, in a, I think, in a respectful kind of... She respected your kind of opinion. Yeah, we were in a yeah. kind of a respectful acquaintance. But I, I expected a bit of a rejection, yeah. So now she got back to me, thanking me for it, and telling me that she cancelled the chickenpox party. Oh, no and more party. We're such party poopers. <laughs> the skeptics. That's, that's fantastic news, yeah. Yeah, it's very good. And she said that to the others, that uh, had she known in advance, she would have vaccinated her kids. Hmm. Which is very and easily done now in most countries. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Easily done. If it's done, you don't have to go through the whole process. So you just save time and inconvenience which is but chicken pox i it's strangely enough in sweden i know chicken pox is not part of the uh, program really oh 
Oh, interesting. No, the MMR is right, but but not chickenpox. No, it's I, it's not part of it in most of the countries well, because it's that... accessible, it's available, but mm-hmm. it's not a compulsory vaccination. Okay, okay, maybe mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about myself, and so me and my brother were definitely vaccinated, and I'm sure chickenpox one of the was one yeah. of the vaccines. But I'm guessing parents could like add on extras on top of whatever vaccination. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all, all my children, they are older now, of course, but uh, all my children had chickenpox. And it's oh. terrible because mm. even if you say, if you assume that there's no side effects, long-term effects, even when you have it, it's terrible. Because Especially, I have twins. And when they were, I think they were about uh, one and a half, two years old, very young. And, you know, you can't explain to a, a young child like that to not scratch yourself oh, yeah. it will be better yeah. they were just miserable for over a week oh. and of course with twins you know first of all, one of them had it Hands for almost full, two yeah. almost two weeks and then of course the other one got it so it was a month of suffering at our home yeah. it was terrible yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah that absolutely made my day <laughs> yeah good on you good job Andres. very good thank you but uh i don't really think of it as me having done something very good but i really i really like the way she she reacted mm-hmm. and that makes me realize how much a parent and a mother is always firstly a mother and want the best for their child but sometimes they're being misled and giving the right information without being a dick about it you might get somewhere Mm. yeah yeah and i I think it's a great um example of how engaging somebody just in a way that you did which is just respectful you know leaving the comment or or not being angry about it or calling names um yeah actually gets through to people um I mean, the fact that she obviously had respect to you, uh, for you as a person also helped. Yeah. But I think overall engaging people in civil discussion where the, both parties respect each other is, is the way forward. I don't yes, and, and, and what I'd like to point out is that she respected you not because of the link you, you shared, but no, for not. your history. She yeah. trusted mm-hmm. you. She She thought you were a person who with integrity and, and respect which she had respect for so you need to think about it all the time you, you know even if it's a minor thing I, I i'm a believer in that don't be a dick because it comes a day where you actually want that person to listen and if you've yeah. been a dick in the past they won't uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean i totally understand when emotions run high because some of the beliefs that people hold are dangerous and and sometimes life-threatening but um i think there is no uh benefit and we can't win by being and there are certain levels as well so when you are dealing with someone who's being fed fake news or misinformation that's a different thing from when you're you're face to face with someone who is spreading that misinformation. Well, that's for sure. But you're talking about charlatans and score Nazists, etc. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. I would not be that nice to to anyone who's spreading spreading fake news and misinformation and and fear and everything. So that's that doesn't deserve that kind of approach. I'm I'm pretty sure. But then on the other hand, you can still alienate the followers with that yeah. attitude if if you're being a dick towards someone who is the source of misinformation and fake news you can still alienate the ones following them yeah 
So you you don't want that either. So yeah, it's a it's a difficult decision that you have to make every single time you open mm. your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, but why? Why does Trump come to my mind all the time when we talk about fake news and when we talk about um, an idiot opening it's a, their mouth? It's a total mystery to me as well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I hear he might he might have been uh, right after all. About what? Um, oh, what? with his remark on Sweden. No, it's no. Was there a massive terrorist attack after all in, in Sweden, Pontus? Oh yes, it was really massive. Uh, yeah, yeah, I looked into this. This was a report from. Uh, it it was reported to have happened on the twenty third of February, but it was actually on the twenty first of February. So not even the date was right. <laughs> And there was this okay. massive attack on a train uh, underground in Stockholm. There you go. And uh, the whole thing was that somebody threw something into a railway car right. that smelled terrible. It could have been pepper spray. It could have been something. Nobody knows what it was. People got off and uh, yeah, that was it. Ah, okay. There was nothing. I mean... So no injuries, no, no deaths? No, no, no. no. Nothing? Incon some inconvenience and uh, oh a, a bit uh, hullabaloo. But the guy was... Nobody knows who this guy was. He was described as being uh, in dark clothes and uh, with a hood. So nobody saw his face and nobody knows what he wanted to do. Maybe he was just a kid trying to do something, uh, you know, I'd, nobody knows. But it's far from the riots you could uh, imagine that it sounds like in, in some media. Mm. Oh, such a good example of how, how it can be distorted terribly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a kid, you know those kids who, who, who throw water balloons and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, it's a prank. It was not the funny prank, but it was still nothing. Okay. Okay. And no, nobody was uh, taken to hospital. Nobody was injured. Nobody was, you know, there was a little bit of coughing. There was a little bit of tears in their eyes because of this, whatever it was. And yeah, if it was pepper spray, yeah, yeah, yeah that. Then nothing. Okay, uh, it's very good to know that, that that there was nothing to the news that <laughs> that we heard about or, or saw. Of about course, that. nobody who want. I mean, everybody who wants to believe what they want to believe, they will not listen to this. So, of course, for them, it was true. There was a big uh, attack <laughs> uh, on the subway, but, you know, it was nothing. So last night in Sweden is still a thing. <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, it's not a thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Last night in Sweden, <laughs> nothing happened. Okay. The last time I was talking about how I would love to go to the moon. Yes. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. And now, just two days or three days after we did our recording... It was all over the news that SpaceX is supposed to send two people on a round trip around the moon. Yeah. Later next year. And one of them is you. No? Well, no. that would be well, nice. They haven't I, announced. I don't know of anyone who... <laughs> yeah, good luck, who good would, luck um, if, it's, if it's you. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's do oh, an episode wow. from the dark side of the moon with Andras. And uh, I'm sure that will be our most uh, popular episode yet. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah. uh, what I would like to use this uh, opportunity for is um, make a call for donations to my cause. So <laughs> to send Andras into space. Yes, I was start, start a GoFundMe campaign to send me to space, um, even though I would I would be sick all the way it'll be worse because it. i it'll have be terrible motion sickness oh no that's sure. it would be worth you it. won't yeah. burn to fly, fly to the moon in back <laughs> mm. 
just a week. Yeah. But seriously, if you do want to donate, I mean, you can actually do that. We won't send Andras to the moon, but if you go to <laughs> theesp.eu and uh, click on the donate button, we would be very grateful for any contribution you would care to give us. And also, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can uh, write to us. And our email address is info at theesp.eu. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu. And uh, like us on Facebook. If you get our podcast via iTunes, uh, please uh, leave us um, a nice review um, and spread the word. Um, and also you can complete a contact form, almost forgotten. It's on our website, which is, mm -hmm. like uh, Ponto said, theesp.eu. Yeah. And don't forget the calendar. It's very nice to see what's going on in Europe. I know you can't go to all of the, like, 14 different uh, skeptics in the pub in a normal week, but you could get inspired and you can... Very often you can contact the speakers and get them to get to your city or town to do uh, a Skeptics in the Pub talk, um, do that or just be inspired. And, uh, and and by the way, you don't have to have a speaker to have a Skeptics in the Pub. Just put something in your local whatever Facebook group or whatever and, and meet up. And there are lots of people that are interested to, to do this and have a beer and be skeptical. Yeah, and uh, we've interviewed a lot of people um, since we started the show. And whenever we get to the question uh, of how they got in contact with the skeptic movement. A lot of them replied by saying that uh, they attended one of these events and sooner or later figured out that, oh, I'm not alone with, with the way I think. Uh, there are others out there um, I can talk to and I can discuss my experience with. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very good thing and uh, yeah do feel free to to open up one event of two. Um, and since we're talking about those, you probably have an organization to promote. If you put together a bit of a radio spot-like thing, so a bit of an audio advertisement, uh, then we're more than happy to run it. So do um, a 30 second or up to one minute long little recording and we are happy to run it as you will hear on this episode as well we will run um, a couple of them um, for different projects or organizations mm. yep and while we're talking about promoting events i'd like to talk about uh, edinburgh because in edinburgh in the uh, uh, in early April, there's this international science festival with t uh, a lot of things going on. But the Edinburgh Skeptics are having 10 different events happening during those two weeks. So that's a, that's a special event. So if you're anywhere near Edinburgh in the beginning of, of, uh, of April, you should go. Awesomeness. Yeah. All right. I think we are all ready and excited to start the next episode by starting. Yeah, I keep saying that we start this episode uh, about five or seven minutes into the actual show. <laughs> and we like but already start. By starting the episode, I mean by starting the regular segment. Uh, so this is what we're going to do now. And as always, we're going to start with this week in Skepticism, presented by Yelena Levin. Somebody died on the 20th of March, uh, which is the week that our episode is out on. 
and that somebody is uh, none other but Isaac Newton, the f famous scientist, one of the most mm -hmm. famous scientists, uh, if I may say so, in the world. Well, he was known for many wonderful things. Um, apple falling on his head. Actually, that was not a true story, by the way, about the apple. Guys, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't know if you knew about this. <laughs> uh, it, it, it never happened. Um, but uh, yes, so I want to talk about how his life relates to skepticism and uh, some of the lesser known facts about him. So even though he was um, a great scientist and he dedicated a lot of his life to uh, discoveries, he was extremely religious guy. Um, he said himself once that gravity explains the motions of the planets, but it cannot explain who set the planets in motion. God governs all things and knows all that is or can be done. Yeah, so there we go. You can apparently he had this um, cognitive dissonance he, the, that he lived with. He believed in God, and he also did this wonderful thing for science. Um, he had um, an enormous obsession with Bible. He studied Bible uh, inside out, and he wrote apparently more about um, uh, religion than he ever did about science or mathematics. Um, he believed that God has chosen him specifically to interpret the Bible, believe it or not, um, and concluded that the world would end no sooner than 2060. That's 2060, guys. Uh, note that date. Well, how many years have we got left now? Uh, 2017. That's uh, 43 years to go still. So you know we still. Well, so so far he's been right. It hasn't ended sooner than 2060. I I like how he put it. <laughs> yeah, would end no sooner than 2060. And um, he said uh, by by making this uh, statement that this I mentioned not to assert that when the time of uh, the end shall be but to put a stop to the rash conjectures of fanciful men who are frequently predicting the time of the end and by doing so bring the sacred prophecies into discredit as often as their predictions fail. Wow. But I mean, he didn't know that he, his prediction probably also going to fail. I mean, I'm saying probably because actually uh, <laughs> it's getting more and more likely that something going to happen soon. Uh, so, but, but, <laughs> but it's interesting to note that even in his day, it was irritating to him <laughs> yeah. that people kept <laughs> predicting that the word world would And then it would, would never do it, wander. yeah. And then it never happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, amongst other wonderful, um, not very sciencey things, he was into al alchemy. Um, he was uh, the one looking for that um, stone. Philosopher's stone. Philosopher's stone, yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what's alchemy? Just a quick reminder. It's a pseudoscience, of course, which deals with the study of converting lead in uh, and other base metals into gold. Um, he actually wrote 169 books on it and none of which were ever published during his lifetime because under Act of 1404, um, making gold and silver was considered a felony. 169 books. books that's that's exactly right i mean wow. he, he's done a lot more than just science guys <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm starting to realize that yeah. uh on the scientific note i'll finish this little segment about isaac newton with uh, saying that his scientific curiosity really did not know any bounds uh, for those who doesn't know this um uh, anecdote i find it very um interesting and um it explains a lot about his um nature. He purposefully stuck a blunt needle uh, known as Botkin in his eye socket. 
Why did he do that? He was actually experimenting with uh, properties of light and used himself as guinea pig. That's dedication to science. Yeah, now, that's mm -hmm. what I mean, dedication to science. Here's to Isaac Newton. Wow. What a guy. A very good moral of his story and his life's achievement yeah. is that no matter what your motive is and your, no, no matter uh, what you believe, if you're conducting science, you have to be rigorous in your way of thinking and how you're testing your own ideas. And he did. And this is how he came up with all, all those mathematical equations and that are now known as Newton's laws of physics. And that he, he tried to provide a mathematical explanation of the world, of how the world works. And even though he, he thought it as the mystery of God's creation, but he wanted to provide a perfect explanation of how things work. Mm. And, but but, but yeah. I just want to quickly say to our listeners, people do not stick needles in your eyes. Exactly. Certainly not. Science should be done rigorously and checked rigorously, but not by this means. Yeah, you should get you yeah. should get thirty volunteers and then stick needles in their eyes. Yes, to stick see needles in their yeah. eyes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well yeah. done for yeah, that, yeah. Pontus. <laughs> this is what we call a double blind <laughs> study. First, you stick it in your own eyes, so you don't see anything, and then you stick it into the other eyes, and nobody sees anything. And that's a double blind study. What do we know of the, uh, about the apple? Uh, what do we know about the apple? Yeah. Uh, they, they're delicious. Did an apple fall on his head? I don't think it did. <laughs> it, it is in one biography, I believe. But I think it's, but I think it's um, embellished and not very accurate. Newton himself often told the story that he was inspired to formulate the theory of gravitation by watching the fall of an apple from a tree. There you go. So, although it has been said that the apple story is a myth and that he did not arrive at his theory of gravity in any single moment, um, his acquaintances um, do, in fact, confirm the incidents. There are many. Uh, I mean, one variant could be that he used it as an illustrative example. Yeah. You know how an apple falls out of a tree? This is how you can think yeah, about yeah. it. And, you know, who, who knows? Yeah, as far as I know, that's that's the usual interpretation of, of the incident. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is which is great, and I have seen his tomb. Ooh, right. Where where is he yeah. buried? Under an apple tree. No, a couple of meters from Darwin. Ooh. Okay. In Westminster Abbey. Oh right, yeah, I didn't mm. know that. Oh, uh, there is one one other exciting thing about his his birth. Go on. Because you the date you chose was his death, uh, right? Ah, uh, his birth was uh well, it's apparently a Christmas day, but then it was changed because Christmas day back in the day was on the fourth of something or the other, and it's like he doesn't really have a fixed date of birth. Bizarre. No, the reason why is because back then, the British Empire had not yet implemented the new calendar, the revised Gregorian calendar. Mm. So, so the rest of Europe, the rest of Europe had already uh, implemented it. Yeah. But in the UK, uh, present day UK, it was still used um, um, in the original form. And there was 11 days of difference. So if you translate it to modern, the modern way, the Gregorian calendar, what date was he born on? Um, January the, th the 4th, I ah, think. January okay. the 4th. Yeah. All right. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> Just a year after Galileo died. Mm. All right. Thanks very much, Ilana. My pleasure. That means 
that, we're moving on to discussing scepticism-related news across Europe. That's that's an old story, actually. Uh, by old, I mean that it's not the first time we're talking about this, and uh, it involves Bild, the German tabloid. Do you remember that when I yep. talked about them uh, spreading fake news about something happening, or allegedly happening on New Year's Eve? Yeah. In Frankfurt, turns out to be fake. Yeah. Okay. That build didn't stop then and and there um, with regards to how to handle uh, fake news. Actually, Julian Reichelt, who was recently appointed editor in chief of the tabloid, proposed a couple of new things, a couple of new measures to fight against uh, fake news and uh, and bad journalism, uh, which is particularly interesting because uh, Bild is not necessarily the most highly respected journal um, in Germany. It's somewhere around the level of the sun in the UK. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's definitely categorized as a tabloid. So why would they be interested in not making up stuff? Because a tabloid is always about sensationalizing stuff and and just spreading gossip and everything. But turns out that Julian Reichelt, uh, the new editor-in-chief, really wants uh, Bild to be the most reliable news outlet out there in Ooh-hoo. Germany. Good yeah, luck. It is, I hope he it makes is it. Really, yeah. And, and he said that in an interview on Tagesspiegel. Yeah, he, he wants Bild to be the most honest newspaper of Germany. Tagesspiegel is is an, another news outlet. Mm-hmm. So they appointed a news ombudsman at uh, Bild. He's a 75-year-old uh, gentleman co- named Ernst Elitz. And he will be the contact person at Bild for uh, readers uh, if they find something that was wrongly put out there or it's not based on facts or just um, bad journalism did happen, then he will be the one dealing with those contacts. Mm. So, yeah, and uh, they particularly emphasize um, fake news and if something turns out not to be based on facts, uh, that is that is uh, one of the main aspects of uh, of his work in the future. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I would be very happy to see uh, other news outlets, um, especially tabloids, going down that road um, mm. instead of just keeping on going going um, towards sensationalism and uh, and fake news. Okay, yep. so it seems like quite a radical change for for a, for a tabloid like Bild to 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 take. Uh, wonder how they. Well, we'll see. Let's hope well, that we can follow this up and see how it goes. I don't want to be cynical, but um, it might even be just a stunt. It might even be just something. So- oh, it might be fake news. We are now going to be factual. No, that was fake news. Uh, no, I'm okay. not saying that. But uh, trying to build uh, respect um, so that uh, it widens their their own scope and their their outreach, because uh, they can still keep their uh, 
their tabloid characteristics, but if they're much more respected, uh, they can gain more readers, probably. But yeah. that's just me being cynical. <laughs> so, yeah, but even so, uh, I mean, it's it's good news that that it's sort of fashionable now to not be fake news. That you, yeah, it's, it, people even even a tabloid wants to pro, uh, you know uh, portray themselves as not fake news. We are factual. I'm for that because you know mm, fact, yeah. factual that factual is a good thing. Is that is a good thing for me. <laughs> Yeah, and you can see that throughout the whole industry that news outlets are moving towards that direction, which is which is a great thing, and we've talked about that. But but that comes with a price. I mean, um, a, an actual price tag, because you have to have certain resources to to be able to fund people who are doing the the fact checking and stuff. So that's not easy, and this is why more and more news outlets are asking for donations, and this is where. Um, I'm pretty sure that public funding should come into the picture on a on a wider scale. Well, interesting. Speaking of being factual, it's not you know if you're a news outlet, you have a you have a web presence presence always nowadays, and uh, that's where, where you have that. You want to have comments, but comments are often also fake or manufactured or or just produced by robots or whatever. So that's uh, the next news is about uh, NRK, the Norwegian Public Service Company, who who handles the the official TV and radio channels in Norway. Uh, they have uh, a web service as well, and in order to make sure that the comments on their news on their blog are more factual, they have come up with a simple but perhaps effective idea. Before you. Uh, are able to comment on their articles, you have to answer a small quiz first to validate that you actually read the article. And if you answer these things wrong, you cannot comment on the on on the on the article. Great so stuff. It's, I don't know. It, they're trying it out. It's a new system, and uh, we don't know how it will work out. But it's one of many ways of trying to moderate the 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 internet and make sure yeah. that people don't just post fake things or stupid things or uh, even have robots uh, posting spam on all kinds of comments so we'll see how it works out it'll be interesting there's a reoccurring theme there of uh, being actually engaged in conversations with the public yeah, it's um, it's really good to see this reaction to fake news, and, mm. and how it's now becoming unpopular and sort of frowned upon, and and you know not cool now. Or everybody has to make sure that they've got the facts straight. So, you know, I'm really hoping for this to be to be the case, and I'm gonna make an uh, analogy to uh, how geek culture became kind of mainstream and. Um, it was marginalized at at the beginning for a, for a very very long time, but now yeah. uh, it becomes mainstream. It becomes cool to be science savvy, to be to be knowledgeable about stuff, to be to be a skeptic. If that is the case, so first, if it, they have to become cool in order to become mainstream, mm -hmm. that's, that's I tell you one thing that um, can help. 
if a Holly- Hollywood makes a movie about how cool that is. <laughs> it has. Yeah, 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 that's right. Not not about fake news yet, but they will th- sooner or later they will. <laughs> Have you seen Magic in the Moonlight? No. No. That was um it's a Woody Allen film uh featuring Emma Stone and uh Colin Firth. And it's about a debunker. I do recommend that that movie. Um it's not very highly rated on IMDb. But I do like it. There could be a couple of spoilers, so I'm not going to go down there. Yeah, just watch it. Okay. It's well worth it. All right, cool. So I want to briefly mention this article I, I found. Um, it was actually a translation from Dutch, so uh, I couldn't read the original one. But our wonderful website of EXO, ECSO.org, has posted the translation of this article from Dutch. So I um, want to cover it quickly. Investigative journalism platform Investico, reporting in newspaper Tro, discovered that during its November 2016 Congress, majority of the Dutch Conservative Liberal members approved an amendment to their election program submitted by climate change denier. Never good news. The sentence that climate change leads to rising sea levels and heavy rainfalls was taken completely out because, according to the submitter, it isn't all that bad. <laughs> okay. In, in some parts of the world, it, it probably isn't. Is this in Dutch? So this is about the Netherlands? Correct, yeah. I'll get to the place. So basically, okay. that, that's the, the Dutch Conservative Liberal Party that di- submitted this, this change uh, to the um, election program. Nice. Okay. Uh, so, and they, they're basically saying, oh, it isn't all that bad, apparently. Cla- claiming levels only rose by 1.8 millimeters annually and that they've d- done so consistently for the past 500 years. Um, the climate scientist Rainer van der Berg responded with disgust, saying this is a scandalous, outrageous, and dangerous. And um, there is a gigantic acceleration of sea levels rise, uh, as we know it, uh, right now at 3.45 millimeters a year. And the evidence can be provided for it everywhere. It's causing a lot of uh, water damage and uh, we purely cannot afford to let it happen. So the um, chairman of the Liberal Green, an environmentalist, fraction within the party disagreed with Investigas' conclusion saying that the Dutch Conservative Party is clear about the, the urgency of the consequences of the climate change and the, the necessity of the Paris Climate Agreement and that the amendments were submitted and it was he was just a lone climate sceptic. Um, but the question still remains, why a majority of party members then agreed with a proposal that would violate um, VVD's supposed Green core, And um, it v- very much resonates with other things we've, we've uh, noticed and read about in newspapers in the past couple of months to do with climate change being amended in government documents and uh, as we all know and uh, if people haven't read about it but uh, since Donald Trump took presidency in America um, the White House removed all uh, mentioning of climate change from their uh, website no mentioning of that at all no no, uh, strategy about climate change Australia was scrapped from UN climate change report after government intervention so so Netherlands is just following um, this chain of um, events that where people just purely denying, deleting, um, destroying evidence. Um, 
And um, the Australian case is quite interesting. I know it's not Europe related, but it was um, an interesting find in terms of what they wanted to do. They've asked to be removed from the major UN report on climate change after the Australian government intervened um, because apparently they're objecting that the information could harm tourism. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think the the great uh, the great coral reef is much more important than tourists. But well, and the other thing is that tourism has probably done so much damage to to the earth mm. and the mm. to climate itself that uh, yeah. But uh, I'm yeah. I've been working in tourism for eight years, but I still think that it has done a lot of damage. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and so um, unfortunately, it, it's a very worrying development that um, government officials can just go on deleting and uh, burying <laughs> evidence um, about climate change. But I'm, I'm amazed that this is about the Netherlands because they've been fighting the sea for hundreds I, of years. I know, and I know. big and chunks why. of the country yeah. is below the water level mm. already. So yeah. they should be a little bit concerned, I would well, I, They absolutely should. And it came out just recently because actually there is a general election coming up in March um, in, in Netherlands. And if I'm not mistaken... It's March the 15th. Mm. So I don't know. I'm hoping there'll be a big resistance or, or protest or something going on and the people of Netherlands will not stand for it. I'm just looking at the March for Science website and uh, I've been checking uh, satellite marches. Uh, you know, March for Science, that's happening on the 22nd of April, which is... Uh, Earth Day. Yeah. And uh, it's a good opportunity for everyone to talk about climate change. And I do urge everyone in the Netherlands to attend that March for Science. Um, you'll find a Facebook event, a Facebook page, a website, everything. So uh, go check it out and do attend. By the way, uh, March for Science is happening in Hungary as well. Uh, I, I've, I've been complaining about it uh, for a while. I think I did it on wow. the show as well. You did? But, yeah, you did. <laughs> but so a couple of friends and, and, and I decided that we're going to do it. So Good for you. <laughs> At least three of you will go there. Good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that uh, other organizations will join in as well. All right. Yeah. So it's not run by the Hungarian Skeptic Society, but we happen to be all members of the Hungarian Skeptic Society who decided to do, uh, do splitters. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How is it coming on um, in Sweden? Uh, I haven't heard anything, and haven't. I, I'm busy doing other things, so okay. I don't know. Is the answer? Let us know when you know. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. All right, people. Just start your own march. We all need to do this, and one of the reasons why is climate change denial. Yeah. So Correct. we we have to do something about that. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Another thing that we should do uh, something about is magazines that are spreading misinformation. And, uh, well, even if they are based on some kind of facts, uh, the tone of them um, might be misleading and might uh, drive people from of using medicine and uh, using the wonders of medicine as a scientific uh, discipline um, and instead go and turn towards CAM, uh, Complementer and Alternative Medicine. And one of these uh, magazines is the British What Doctors Don't Tell You. 
even mm. the name is very telling right so mm. um it tells you a lot about the the distrust uh yeah. don't, for don't listen to the yeah. experts that's what don't we listen to doctors mm. because they're not going to tell you this um and even though some of the articles in the magazine are based on actual scientific facts still the overall tone of it is is that what what we think about when we hear the uh, the see see the title of the magazine problem is now it's available in hungarian as well mm. so just about a week ago the first issue came out and it's the the title is a translation into hungarian another in- interesting fact um, is that one of the authors of this first issue and uh, we hear that he's going to be uh, used as an expert later on is gabor sendi who's not only known for paleo and uh, spreading the idea of paleo diet he's written several books on on the on the issue but also he's an anti-vaxxer Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So makes sense. Yeah. If he's the expert, then oh well. <laughs> What can be said about the that uh, magazine, right? Interesting side note about paleo diets. There was an article in Nature just now, recently, mm-hmm. uh, where they had analyzed what uh, Neanderthals were eating, and they'd done that in Belgium and in Spain. And I believe it, in, in Spain they all ate only uh, vegetables and moss and and and, and things, <laughs> and in in uh, Belgium they ate uh, mostly uh, meat. Yeah. So there you go. There's no paleo diet. <laughs> you ate what you had to eat. That that, that I think is the. That's trick. right. Sorry. Yeah. Well, what what um, paleo diet is up against is uh, processed food wheat and and flour and flowery stuff because of the gluten and that's that's what they 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 usually say so it's all mixed up with uh, the gluten-free diet and and the the dairy-free t- uh, diet Yeah. And now that you're mentioning the differences uh, um, between different countries across Europe, uh, I once attended a conference, biomolecular archaeology conference, which was absolutely amazing. And they were doing uh, research on um, uh, one research group on the consumption of dairy products across Europe and how mm-hmm. it correlates with um, the genes that determine that you are lactose intolerant so the the the, the gene missing or not missing but not switching on uh, that is responsible for the metabolism of lactose mm-hmm. so yeah it's 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 amazing it's mind blowing science behind that but uh, still we're not going to eat what ancestors did there there're not enough woolly mammoths around anyway to eat uh- Oh yeah. I definitely. still don't understand what the attraction to this paleo diet is um, anyway. It's to... the same kind of thing that is um the attraction towards um It's appeal to nature, isn't it? What we evolved to appeal eat. to nature yeah. and um organic. But they used to like they used to live until like 15 years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even yeah. though they ate organically grown woolly mammoths, they only lived to be 15 years <laughs> organically old. grown woolly mammoths. <laughs> okay. All right. Now there's going to be there's going to be a hybrid, a mammoth yeah. elephant hybrid that they're working on right now. Yes, but can you eat it? Can you eat it? That's the question. Mm, yummy. 
Yeah, mm. lots of ketchup on oh, that yeah, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <All laughs> lots right. of ketchup. Okay. <laughs> Just don't burn it. Don't burn the don't meat. Or, don't mammoth. burn the meat. Or, don't you spoil mammoth with ketchup. Or if it's organic ketchup, it's okay. All right, to, to close off the, the news segment, I have a very short one. Uh, good news. Again, about Metro in Sweden. They are doing some quite... You remember we've talked about they did the viral, the viral monitor. The viral monitor. They're, okay. They are doing... Uh, uh, it's been successful. It's been very popular. So now they're doing something else. They're publishing what they called the little viral monitor, which is uh, materials for schools and for teachers uh, to be used uh, to teach critical thinking and to for the kids to know how to find out what's true or not on the internet. Uh, so it's study material and there's a short film about a made-up shark story about a, a vicious shark who is um, in, in the Swedish waters and how it goes viral and then how to what questions to ask to find out whether it's true or not but so so they're now you know providing school material to make uh, make uh, kids find out how to question things online i think it's excellent great thank you very much guys lovely thank you that means our next segment is coming up which is uh gonna be covering a logical fallacy the fallacy today is called subjectivist fallacy um also known as a relativist fallacy it's claiming something is true for one person but not for someone else when in fact it is true for everyone objective as demonstrated by empirical evidence so when the person one claims that Y is true, person two claims that Y is true for some people, but not for everyone, even though empirical evidence state otherwise. And of course, one of the most obvious examples that I have for you of this fallacy is when somebody says, oh, you know, smoking might not be um, uh, the most healthy habit to start. Um, if somebody says uh, smoking might, might not be... Start again. If one person says, you know, smoking might not be the most healthy habit to start, and somebody else answers, well, smoking is unhealthy for the most people, but not for me. We know now, with very conclusive evidence, that smoking is bad for everyone, so nobody can claim that smoking is <laughs> not bad for them, and there's no exceptions to this rule. And, of course, the fact is that some things are different for certain, certain people, but if it's proven by evidence that, um, you know, time and time again that something is true for everybody, then, you know, you can't just claim exception, exceptional rules. And uh, I've got another one about <laughs> spiritual mind. Um, so if somebody says, sorry, your argument is full of contradictions, and the answer is contradictions only apply to the carnal mind, not the spiritual one. Ah. So <laughs> I quite like this, one, this example because, um, you know, who I thought of, of course, when I read that one is about Deepak Chopra. I'm sure he uses that fallacy very often. Yes. <laughs> that was a deep sigh. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. And that's my subjectivist fallacy for today. All right. Good one. All right. Uh, Pontus. Would you mind telling us about someone who's been really wrong lately? No, I don't mind at all, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say no, I don't want to talk about it today. <laughs> well, if you guys, if you think about anti-abortion or anti-birth control in Europe, what country comes to mind? 
Ireland, uh, Irish. Ireland and you win. Italy. Yeah. Okay. No, Ireland's right. <laughs> Ireland's right. Jelena wins the cigar. This is a terrible story about a small town in Ireland called Tuam, T-U-A-M, with less than uh, 10,000 inhabitants. And between 1925 and 1961, it was the place of a so-called mother and baby home which was run by the Bon Secours sisters. I think it's supposed to be pronounced in sort of French. Bon yeah. Secours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, yeah, they are a, a, a Catholic congregation uh, and today still uh, has operations in, in uh, Ireland, in the US, Peru, France and in Great Britain as well. The purpose of this home, mother and baby home in Tuam, was to take care of un- young unmarried mothers and their children, or mostly the children. Basically, if you uh, happen to get pregnant, uh, you could spend some time there. You you gave birth and then you just left the baby there and, and you got back home and nobody talked about it and probably everybody in the village or this was not just from the village i think they got Mm -hmm. so-called customers from all around so the attitude regarding pregnant teenagers because i think most of them were very young uh, was that they should be punished as well and also hidden away and and even the children should be punished this was very bad something you didn't talk about and if it happened you were supposed to suffer for what you had done so 14 years after this home has clo- was closed 1975 two children were playing at the place where where the, this uh, institution had been and those two children, they managed to, to you know, they dug around in the ground, etc. And opened up the, a, a hollow thing in the ground. And they found uh, the remains of very young children in what has been described as a sewage tank. So this is a long time ago still, 1975. But no criminal investigation was made at the time. Instead, there was just a ceremony for the unknown children and the site was closed up again and nobody let's not talk about that however there was an amateur uh, or there is an amateur historian called Catherine Corliss who looked into this and compared the records of infant deaths of uh, the children at Tuam with the local graveyards and in 2012 she published her findings and she, she, she had found that out of 796 deaths, only two children were probably properly buried in the graveyard. So what happened to the other children? It took until uh, 2014 before the authorities started a formal investigation about this. And uh, the Catholic Church, well, what do they have to say about this? Uh, not very much, actually. Archbishop Michael Neary at the time, three years ago, said that his archdiocese will continue to work with the Bonsoir sisters and the local community to commemorate the dead and their families with a memorial prayer service and a plaque. So his response to the whole thing is like, just say, uh, you know, Hail Mary a couple of times and put up a sign on the place. Uh, so that was in, in 2014, but now the, the, this uh, investigation has delivered its uh, results and it basically confirms what has been found. There is no record of these 796 children, well, except for two, 
uh, and how they were sort of where did they go? Where, where, where did they happen? And then these these remains that they have looked at now they don't, haven't actually counted them I, I think but it seems to be very young children you know newly borns or up to two or three years old. Uh, so. The Archbishop uh, said that he you know, would do a, uh, a memorial service. This was three years ago. Now, when they interview him, he says that he's shocked about the findings. Well, he's known about it for at least three years. And whether, and, and he writes, uh, you know, he has published a, some sort of uh, paper on this to, to establish you know, his position on this. And he goes on to point out and I quote now, the archdiocese did not have any involvement in the running of the home in Tuam, end quote. And then he says, we have nothing to fear from the truth because, as Jesus himself assures us, the truth always sets us free. So he doesn't care about this scandal. What he cares about that he didn't have anything to do with it. This is nothing to do with it. And, you know, and again, he, he talks about that the important thing now is to get the remains of the children properly buried in consecrated ground. That's his concern. So, in my view, you know, Catholicism is a death cult and he's only concerned with the remains of the dead. But how about the mothers? Hmm. It is actually quite likely that some of the mothers are still alive today. Yeah. What about them? And what about their you know, relatives or descendants? I'm I'm appalled and shocked to 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 hear his comments about this. It's not as much um, really wrong kind of thing, but it's uh, it's more along the lines of really sick. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, as always, I don't have that segment. So, uh, Archbishop Michael Neary, as a representative for the Catholic Church, gets today's prize for being really wrong mm. yeah and then i think you then you could you know you could say catholicism everything and 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 the whole history of ireland etc but this is today you can't blame his comments on on that it was a long time ago he should take some responsibility or show some sort of compassion for what has happened but uh, he's just interested in covering his own ass and to make sure that uh, we forget about it. We bury them properly this time and uh, then we forget about it. Well, we've seen a couple of things like that in child abuse cases, mm. right? So just think about yeah. Cardinal Pell. Yeah. <laughs> or actually even uh, the former Pope Ratzinger. He yeah. was involved in a couple of things trying to make things disappear even the current pope i mean even if he has publicly said things that are sort of better than than ratzinger said there was some news that i couldn't really corroborate uh, lately that was uh, that he had actually pardoned uh, people and continued to to just relocate priests who had were accused for doing uh, bad stuff mm. Mm. Uh, instead of uh, bringing it to justice. So I, I, I don't trust the Catholic Church. <laughs> and I think you are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Pontus. 
All right. A bit of a downer to end the the, the show, yeah. The <laughs> show with, I yeah, guess. Yeah. So just to cheer up a bit, uh, we're gonna run a couple of uh, radio spots to spread the word for our skeptic friends, and then we'll close the show with a quote. Hello, Richard Saunders here from the Skeptic Zone podcast a podcast for science and reason from Australia. Every week since 2008, The Skeptic Zone has brought you reports, interviews and investigations from all around the world. We have many listeners all through Europe. That's The Skeptic Zone podcast at www.skepticzone.tv. It never ends. A friend starts talking about his new Reiki master, and someone else just posted about another all-natural cancer cure that they don't want you to know about. As skeptics, we dedicate a lot of time trying to protect those around us. But there's a way that you can reach millions. Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia is a group that is working to keep the best skeptical information at everyone's fingertips in all languages. Join us. Training is self-paced and fun, and we have our very own super-secret Facebook group. You will be educating the world in your sleep. To find out more, email us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Gorilla Skepticism. The time is now. Music by binsound.com. And now... Yelena, would you mind closing the show with a nice quote, please? I would like to close it with a quote from Harriet Martineau, who was an English scholar, writer and translator. And she was um, a close friend of Charles Darwin as well. Good for her. Uh, She said, It is my deliberate opinion that the one essential requisite of human welfare in all ways is scientific knowledge of human nature. Go science! Yay! Yay! Go science! Can't argue with that. Yeah. You have to understand human nature to know what what, what its needs are. Mm. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, this has been all that we had time for this week. So I'd like to thank both of you, Yelena and Pontus, for joining me. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And until next week, goodbye. So long. Goodbye. And thanks for all the fish. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe
Well, what happened? Things fell and stuff. Anyway. Oh. There is paranormal activities going on in your in your home. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> we should ask Florent and the the guys at uh, Observatoire yeah. Zetetic. We'll send a Scooby Doo gang to investigate. We'll yeah. send a Scooby Doo gang. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. Good and then we job. can go back straight to the uh, silly wrong. Silly wrong. <laughs> silly wrong. Very wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should have called it the silly wrong. Because I thought I thought Prince Charles is a sex toy. But anyway, a what? sex toy. Yeah. What? Is he a sex toy? So, I'm or... sorry, I'm not no. familiar with with your sex toys. So no, I don't have it? it. I don't know. I I thought it's oh. name for the sex toy. Inflatable Prince Charles yeah. doll. No. Oh no, God. I don't think so. Does it come with a bucket to put on his head? <laughs> it doesn't come at all. It's just of plastic. <laughs> 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 it's so bad. Oh, 